1: The notable thing to me is that this isn't Bitcoin as some big announcement, some indeterminate purchase that's mostly meant for headlines. In fact, it's the exact opposite. This is someone who's trying to build, in their words, a fortress-like balance sheet that has decided that some part of that $1.6 billion needed to be contained in Bitcoin and only revealed that when asked directly. I think this shows the shift and in some ways connects the dots between the macro bid and the geopolitical bid. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Nexo.io, Arculus, and FTX, and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, March 2nd, and today we are revisiting the institutional narrative in crypto that has, of course, been sidelined due to the geopolitical narrative. But As Citadel gets into this space, it's worth checking back in on. But before we do that, if you are enjoying The Breakdown, please go subscribe, give it a rating, give it a review, or if you want to get deeper into the conversation, come join The Breakers Discord. You can find a link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash breakdownpod. Also, a disclosure as always, in addition to them being a sponsor of the show, I also work with FTX. Finally, one special sponsor this week. Just in time for tax time is Cointelli. Cointelli is here to make crypto tax reporting stress-free for both individuals and accountants. Designed by CPAs, Cointelli supports hundreds of crypto platforms and provides accurate calculations so you don't pay any extra on your taxes. Cointelli also charges no added fees for up to 100,000 transactions and offers 24-7 customer support from tax advisors check them out at Cointelli.com. that's coin t e l l i .com thanks to Cointelli for joining as a sponsor of the breakdown this week all right to today's show as you guys know i've gone over a couple times one of the big narrative shifts in this space from the call it macro bid in 2020 to the geopolitical bid this year and what i mean by that is that the story of the bull market that took hold over the course of 2020 was all about institutional adoption. Now, that institutional adoption was driven by a larger macroeconomic context. It started in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis, when people like Paul Tudor Jones came out with his great monetary inflation thesis, basically predicting that the incredible amount of money that was going to be pumped into the system around that crisis was inevitably going to lead to inflation the likes of which we hadn't seen for a very long time. In that context, he personally had come to Bitcoin, and that gave a lot of other institutions narrative cover to start exploring as well. That macro bit evolved in the form of micro strategy, and then of course crescendoed in the beginning of 2021 with Tesla's Bitcoin buy. In the middle and second half of 2021, big global events kind of knocked that out of the way. The China Bitcoin ban being one, El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption putting it in a totally new category of discussion, and then, of course, as we've been dealing with, as you well know, for the last couple of weeks, the discussion around Ukraine's sanctions and where Bitcoin and crypto fit into that has come to the fore. Today's show, however, is all about how while we may be focused on the geopolitics surrounding Bitcoin and crypto and the discussions of censorship resistance and what they might mean, it's not like institutions stopped being interested. And the headline from the last couple of days that didn't have to do with Ukraine is right back on that institutional side. Ken Griffin, the head of Citadel, was on Bloomberg Wealth with David Rubenstein. They had a wide-ranging conversation about Citadel and Ken's thoughts on big events, and since we've been focused for the last few days on sanctions, let's start with his thoughts there. Basically, Griffin had two concerns. The first was that our approach to limiting access to the export of our technologies creates an opportunity for Chinese alternatives. He talked specifically about Apple, Google, and Microsoft, about how important they had been to American economic dominance, and he talked about the competition for emerging markets like Africa that might have just gotten harder because of these sanctions. He also talked about the threat to the dollar, saying, quote, the second one is the United States weaponization of the dollar. The U.S. dollar is the reserve currency for the world. That's an incredible asset for our nation, particularly as it faces record levels of indebtedness. When we put on the table the possibility that your dollars will become seized, or you can't move dollars, we're telling the rest of the world to embrace other currencies in their portfolio, and we diminish the value of the dollar as the reserve currency. American taxpayers are going to pay for this in the form of higher interest rates on our debt. It hurts our country in a profound way. Now, whether you like the source or not, Griffin is echoing an argument that I've heard from numerous Bitcoiners. There are lots of counterpoints, but the fact is, this is now a mainstream discussion. But then there was the set of questions that really caught the crypto world's interest. And for the sake of giving you the full picture, I'm just going to read them in their entirety. Rubenstein asks, recently you sold a stake in Citadel Securities to Sequoia and Paradigm, a cryptocurrency related firm? Griffin says, I and roughly 50 people own both Citadel Securities and the hedge fund. What makes us different from many partnerships is that virtually the entire firm is owned by people who are here today. So our retired partners over the years, we bought their interest back to keep the firm owned by those who are active and engaged in the business today. For us, the opportunity to work with Sequoia, to have Sequoia as an anchor investors in Citadel Securities, was an incredibly compelling proposition. As both you and I know, Sequoia's had some of the great success stories in American technology, whether it be Apple or NVIDIA or Google. To have their expertise helping us think about positioning Citadel Securities for the next two or three decades, has been a really powerful opportunity that we availed ourselves in. Crypto has been one of the great stories in finance over the course of the last 15 years. And I'll be clear, I've been in the naysayer camp over that period of time. But the crypto market today has a market capitalization of about 2 trillion in round numbers, which tells you that I haven't been right on this call. I still have my skepticism, but there are hundreds and millions of people in this world today who disagree with that. To the extent that we're trying to help institutions and investors solve their portfolio allocation problems, we have to give serious consideration to being a market maker in crypto. It's fair to assume that over the months to come, you will see us engage in market making in cryptocurrencies. Now, to me, this is very reminiscent of other institutions that we've seen who had a famously skeptical boss start to come around. Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan Chase are right at the top of that list. Although Jamie Dimon remains himself personally dismissive, but there is something here that suggests that institutions, frankly, just have to put aside their priors.
0: Nexo is the go-to platform for all things crypto. Invest in the hottest coins out there and start earning risk-free interest of up to 20% APR, paid out daily. Need cash ASAP but don't want to sell? Use your crypto as collateral and receive a credit line at premium rates. Open your Nexo account by March 31st and receive up to a $100 welcome bonus. Get started today at nexo.io. That's N E X O.io. Meet Arculus, the next generation cold storage wallet. Download the FTX app today and use referral code BREAKDOWN to support the show.
1: What about reactions from the crypto community? Money with Carter tweets Citadel Securities is getting into crypto. They're the number one trading firm in the world, generating over 40% of U.S. stock volumes. This marks the beginning of a new era. D.C. investor humorously made a joke about how Ken Griffin had won the Constitution purchase from Constitution Dow, saying, First he takes our constitution, and now he's coming directly for our bags. Frank Chaparro from The Block says someone finally showed him how much money he'll make. Funny thing is, like five months ago, he said he was waiting for regulatory clarity. Regulators haven't given any clarity since then. It's all about understanding what's going on and the money. The old guard uses regulation as cover not to move quickly. JP Apes said didn't really care about Ken Griffin's opinion on crypto when he faded the entirety of a historic generational bull run. Don't really care about it now but TradFi people with nine-figure-plus net worths do. Now, there's another whole dimension to this story in terms of the specifics of how Citadel might interact with crypto market structure in ways that could be good or bad, but I think to me the much more significant thing, at least in the immediate term, is exactly what J.B. Apes just pointed out, the signaling to other individuals and institutions. The fact that he, in such a clear way, and with no sign of ass-covering, says, I got this one wrong. Now, that might have been the big story in the institutional crypto space, but it wasn't the only one. KPMG Canada, who you may remember from when they bought Bitcoin and ETH for their balance sheet in February, has just purchased a World of Women NFT for $73,000. I noted then that the KPMG Canada buy was significant not just because it was a conservative accounting institution putting Bitcoin and ETH on its balance sheet, but because they were clearly positioning themselves to be a leader to help their clients do the same. They thought it was a significant enough line of business that they wanted to get in and have experience doing it so that they could go then sell themselves having done it. This seems to be pretty clearly the same type of thing. Listen to the quote. This acquisition reflects our belief not only in the continued growth of NFTs, but in the value of World of Women and its mission. Having now gone through the process, we are well positioned to guide our clients around building a corporate NFT strategy including acquiring and safeguarding NFTs. So there it is, plain as day, corporate NFT strategy. No one knows what the hell that means, but a lot of corporations think they need one, and now KPMG can help. Also in the corporate institutional crypto space, a bunch of personnel shuffling. A Citigroup exec is moving to Providence Blockchain as CEO, and I think Coindesk's tweet sums it up perfectly. The stampede from traditional finance to crypto continues as a former Citi exec decamps for Providence Blockchain. Morgan McKenney had been with Citi for 18 years, most recently as the COO of Global Consumer Banking. Coindesk describes Providence as quote, an open source public blockchain that was built specifically for the financial services industry and aims to help firms digitize and reduce costs and risks. More than $3 billion in transactions have been carried out on Providence since its inception in 2013 and over 50 financial institutions now use the platform. Recently, banks like First Bank and Sterling National Bank became founding members of the USDF Stablecoin Consortium, which will operate on the Providence blockchain. And basically, it seems to me like they're trying to be an FDIC institution-approved version of a stablecoin issuer, which could be a good play, depending on how stablecoin regulation turns out. In an announcement post, Morgan McKenney wrote of her time on sabbatical before taking this role and why she was so excited about digital assets, saying, What became clear to me during the sabbatical is that digital disruption in financial services is accelerating in deeply foundational ways that will change the future of finance forever. For the first time, we have the ability to transform the infrastructure layer of financial services, as opposed to continuing to make incremental improvements on the application layer at the top. It really is a flood of people from TradFi to crypto. Last week, Coinbase hired a Goldman exec, the former co head of operations at the Global Markets Division, Roger Bartlett, to lead their financial operations. His LinkedIn post about it said, It's time to embrace the crypto economy. One more quick one on the institutional side, wrapping up this part of the story for today. Obviously, one of the big pieces of that 2020 bull run into early 2021 was the idea that corporations would increasingly put Bitcoin on their balance sheets. As I mentioned, it sort of both culminated but then also ended with Tesla. It was a huge deal in February of last year when Tesla announced that Bitcoin buy, and it was a similarly big deal when Elon backed off Bitcoin because of environmental concerns a couple months later. It certainly put the kibosh on the PR side of Bitcoin on the balance sheet, no matter what else it did. However, that didn't stop companies from actually thinking about whether Bitcoin was a good balance sheet asset. Flexport is a big global supply chain logistics startup. It's valued at $8 billion, and their CEO, Ryan Peterson, recently wrote a long thread about just how much disruption to global logistics Ukraine and Russia was causing. In the context of a 23-tweet thread, he wrote, all in all, an ugly situation for air cargo shippers of all kinds. Certainly, given the scale of the tragedy unfolding in Ukraine, this is a negligible issue, and yet just another example of the cascading second-order effects that characterize global supply chains." Now, he went on and said, Flexport is fortunate to have over $1.6 billion in net assets on our balance sheet to allow us to continue to play offense while protecting the interests of our customers, employees, and shareholders through the volatility, uncertainty, and chaos. The reason we maintain such a fortress like balance sheet is simple planning for the unimaginable is a core part of how we operate. When someone asked what percentage of it is in hard money, AKA Bitcoin, Peterson responded, We don't disclose that but it's not zero smiley face. Now, obviously, this got a lot of Bitcoiners' attention, but the notable thing to me is that this isn't Bitcoin as some big announcement, some indeterminate purchase that's mostly meant for headlines. In fact, it's the exact opposite. This is someone who's trying to build, in their words, a fortress-like balance sheet that has decided that some part of that $1.6 billion needed to be contained in Bitcoin and only revealed that when asked directly. I think this shows the shift and in some ways connects the dots between the macro bid and the geopolitical bid. All of a sudden, you have this macro inflation hedge protection reason for looking at Bitcoin morphing and growing into a geopolitical volatility reason for considering Bitcoin, but in the context of the same space, i.e. corporate balance sheets. I think it's fascinating and probably reflective of some of these larger shifts that we're living through. Last one, just a quick shout-out. Africa has seen one of its largest crypto fundraises ever. Valor, a South Africa-based exchange, raised $50 million in a Series B equity round. They've processed $7.5 billion in volume since 2019 from 250,000 retail customers and 500 global institutional users. The funds are being used to expand to other emerging African markets and India, and the co-founder and CEO, Farza Masani, said society's financial tools should unite us, not divide us. Valor is helping to build a financial system that recognizes the oneness of the human race. There is no longer any room for doubt regarding the impact crypto assets are having on our global financial system. Crypto assets will become more and more pivotal to all our lives. Valor is here to help bridge our customers from the old financial system to the new. If you're listening to this show, you know that crypto as a tool for financial empowerment around the world, not just in the West, not just in developed markets, is a huge part of the reason that I remain so invested and interested in it. So it's great to see these local institutions being capitalized in the way they need to actually serve the needs of those different customer bases. We're going to wrap there. There is a ton going on around Ukraine. Crypto donations, how they're being distributed, some very confusing messaging around airdrops, more color on sanctions and how private companies are interacting with them. We'll have all of that and more tomorrow. We'll also check in on Jay Powell's testimony on the Hill today. But for now, I want to say thank you again to my sponsors. Nexo.io, Arculus, FTX, and CoinTelly, And thanks to you guys for listening. Until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.
0: You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe. No minimum balance requirements and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals24. That's chime.com goals24. Chime feels like progress.